Some of you know that I enjoy running. Some of you do not enjoy running. In fact, you're not going to run unless you're being chased by something scary, right? Something that maybe growls or barks. Something that's, that's large, right? You're just not going to run. So, so this afternoon, if you're sitting around the house, you, you're probably not going to say, you know, maybe I'll go for a run. I like to run. I enjoy running. Now, I don't run long distances. There was a time, a short period of time, where I did run longer distances. I run shorter distances, maybe about, you know, three and a half or so miles. That's about where I'm at, three and a half, four miles, somewhere in there. Now, I will say that as I get started, my knees don't feel the greatest. Something's going on. I've pulled something, I think, in my my right hamstring. But but after I've been going for a while and I've been running for a while, my knees start to feel better. But I I enjoy running. I I like to run. Some of you don't like to run. But here's what I want to start with this morning. Whether you like running or not, all of us as followers of Jesus are on a spiritual race. Right? We're in a spiritual race. There's a, there's a race that's been set before us, and, and this text calls us to run with endurance the race that is set before us. The writer of Hebrews is here calling upon his audience to act. To act. There are a multitude of people that have lived by faith. That's what we've discovered. I mean, that's what we've been seeing over the last several weeks as we've been journeying through Hebrews 11. We've seen a multitude of people who've lived by faith. But it's not just these people that we identify by name in Hebrews 11. There are other people in the Old Testament who live by faith that are not specifically mentioned here. There are people in the New Testament that we could point to who lived by faith. There are people throughout the history of the church that we can point to who live by faith. There are people in this church And there are people throughout the world who are living by faith. There are a multitude of people that have lived by faith. Now, notice the writer of Hebrews. He says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, these are witnesses to faith. I did my undergraduate studies at Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama. Beeson Divinity School is a part of Samford University. Now that is a a graduate school. I I didn't attend Beeson Divinity School. But Beeson Divinity School has a chapel, Hodges Chapel, and in the dome of that chapel is depicted in painting the cloud of of witnesses. And, and, And they have around this dome... There are individuals throughout the history of the church that are, that are depicted, that the faculty of Beeson Divinity School had, had selected to, to, to be represented there. There are many witnesses to faith that are mentioned here in Hebrews 11 and that we can identify throughout the history of the church and that even today we can point to. Hopefully there are witnesses to faith that we can identify in our church family, in our small group. Since there's a great cloud of witnesses, it's clear that we are not alone in our faith. It's not just 
me or you, there's a lot of us seeking to live by faith. And it's encouraging to know we're not alone. Is it not? I told you I like to run. Well, I've run three marathons. Not as many as my friends back there. But I've run three marathons. I ran the Disney Marathon in 2014, 2015, and 2016. But I didn't run them all by myself. I wasn't the fastest. I wasn't the slowest. I wasn't the best trained or the, or the best prepared. But, but I showed up, and I did it, and I finished the race. Now, here's what I'll tell you. I've never run 26.2 miles all by myself. In fact, it would be much harder for me to run 26.2 miles all by myself than to run it at a major event like the Disney Marathon alongside thousands of others who are doing it as well. There's encouragement when we know we're not alone, right? There, there's, there's motivation. Like, I'm not the only crazy person out here doing this, right? I'm not the only crazy person that got up at a ridiculous time of the morning to show up and do this. There's other people struggling. There's other people that are pressing on. There's other people that are enduring. There's other people that are persevering, right? They may not feel so great. There may be some pains that they start to discover along the way, but they keep on going. Since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, church, it's not just me and it's not just you. I mean, hopefully we draw encouragement as we gather with one another on Sundays to recognize it's not just me. I'm not the only one running this spiritual race. I'm not the only one trying to live for Jesus. I'm not the only one with struggles as I'm trying to live for Jesus, I've got my brothers and sisters in Christ alongside me who are walking with Jesus, who are running this race with me, alongside me. So as we think about this cloud of witnesses, we can be encouraged to know we're not alone in our faith. Church, we talk about the four G's, gather, group, give, and go, our discipleship strategy, how we grow as followers of Jesus. We don't practice the four G's in isolation from one another. We live for Jesus alongside others who are also living for Jesus. So we've got a great multitude of people of faith surrounding us. We can look behind us into the past. We can look beside us at each other. And as we consider these examples of faith, it should encourage us to live by faith as well. Okay, so, so what does it look like then? What does it look like? Well, hopefully we've got some answers to that over the last several weeks. But what does it look like to live by faith? Well, here's the call to action that the writer of Hebrews is making. Now, notice he's including himself in this as well. If you notice here in verse 1, he says, Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us. Now, by using the word us, he's not just talking at his audience. He's not just pointing the finger at his audience. He's also including himself. He's saying, let us. Right? This isn't just for them. This is for him as well. And church, it also applies to us today. 
So since we have all these witnesses surrounding us, look what he says in verse one. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Okay, so in light of all of this cloud of witnesses, this, this great multitude of persons of faith, lay aside whatever is dragging you down spiritually. Lay aside whatever is dragging you down spiritually. The Christian Standard Bible says, let, let us lay aside every hindrance. What, what is hindering you spiritually? What, what is weighing you down? What is, what is holding you back? I mean, think about it. What, what, what's, what's weighing upon you? What is holding you back? What is, what is dragging you down spiritually? Lay it aside. Now, notice how he describes sin. He describes sin as that which clings so closely. We're to lay aside sin. Sin is a weight. Sin drags us down. Sin clings so closely. Could you imagine running or walking 26.2 miles? Now, some of you are going to stop me and say, no, I can't imagine that at all. But let's just, let's say five miles, whatever you want to say. How, whatever the distance is you're willing to walk or run. Could you imagine doing it while wearing a backpack completely packed full of rocks? Or, or, or have a, how about a cinder block just strapped to your back could you could you imagine that it makes it a whole lot harder doesn't it sin is a weight sin is a spiritual weight in our lives and 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 if we're going to live our lives for jesus we've got to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely because sin drags us down now church sin is not just murder and adultery Sin is not just one of those big things that we may think of, like one of those extreme examples that we're like, hey, I've never murdered anybody. Or, or I've never done this horrible, awful thing. There's other sins in the Bible. Sin is also spreading falsehoods and being divisive. I... Um, came across a proverb, Proverbs 26, verse 20. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. Did you hear that? For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. My... My parents gave my wife and I a fire pit for Christmas last year. My wife likes to have fires in the fire pit. And when we get ready to extinguish the fire, you just put the lid on it. It's real simple. Forget about it. It's going to go out. Or you just stop putting wood on it. I mean, if you stop giving fuel to the fire, eventually the fire is going to burn up all of the available fuel. Eventually all the wood's going to burn up and the fire's going to go out, right? 
It may take a little while, but eventually, if you stop feeding the fire, if you stop putting wood on the fire, if you stop adding fuel to the fire, the fire's not going to have anything else to consume, and it's going to go out. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. Let, let, let me share that with you from the Christian Standard Bible. It says, without wood, fire goes out. Without a gossip, conflict dies down. What if instead of talking about each other, we actually talk to each other? Rather than assuming the worst, what if we assume the best? What if we stop fueling controversy? What if we stop adding wood to the fire of division? Now, church, these questions are not just for you. They're for me as well. I, too, need to hear this. I, too, need to practice it. I can do better. We can do better. So the weight of sin is not just the biggies that we might think of when we think of sin. It might not, it's not just the, 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 the egregious things that immediately come to mind. It's also divisiveness, gossip. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 29 and following Paul says let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for building up now who's he writing to he's writing to believers he's writing to the church and he's saying to the church let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Church sin is a burden. Sin drags us down as well as others. So here the writer of Hebrews, as he's applying this message, as he's just given them all of these examples of faith from Hebrews 11, he says, now, therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Sin is a burden. Sin is, is, a, is a burden in our lives. The psalmist describes the impact of sin in his life. It's Psalm 32. He begins by saying, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered, blesses the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. But then listen to what he says. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was, was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. And then listen to this part. I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Church family, unconfessed sin is a terrible weight in our lives. And we need to seek the Lord's forgiveness daily. 
We don't need to be walking around with, with, with sin in our lives weighing us down. We, we must repent. We must confess our sins. And church, as we have been forgiven, so we ought to forgive. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. All right, so let's just follow the, the reasoning of, of our writer here. We've got all these witnesses surrounding us, right? All of, these, all of these examples of faith that we can point to. So as we consider these examples of faith, let's, let's act. Let's, let's make sure that we are careful to lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. And, notice what he says next. We're still in verse 1. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So he says run with endurance. The race before us is the Christian life. Our lives as followers of Jesus were to run with endurance. The, the Christian life is not a sprint. You've heard this line before, right? It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. We've got to endure. This is a lifelong race. And Paul himself speaks of finishing his race. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Paul writes, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. So we've got to lay aside weight, we've got to lay aside sin, and we've got to run with endurance the race that is set before us. Another translation uses the word perseverance. We've got to persevere. I mean, it may be one thing for, for you to walk for, for, from one point to another point a short distance, and, and, and maybe there's a struggle in doing that, but to go a long distance, you've you got to endure. You've you, you got to keep going. Now, as we run with endurance... We've got to stay focused on Jesus because notice how he continues in verse 2. He, he encourages them. He, he challenges them. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Look what he says in verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. The Christian Standard Bible says, keeping our eyes on Jesus. So as we're laying aside whatever is dragging us down spiritually, and as we're running with endurance, we've got to keep our focus on Jesus. We've got to stay focused on Jesus. It can be easy to lose our focus. Anybody easily distracted? Anybody get off track? Sometimes we lose focus. We may forget why we are here. Church, we're here because of Jesus. We are here for the glory of God. We may forget what it is we're supposed to do. What is it we're supposed to do? We're to make disciples. 
Church, we're to be about the mission of Jesus. Why we are here is for the glory of God. Why we are here is because of Jesus. What we are to be doing is to be accomplishing the mission of Jesus, the making and maturing of disciples of Jesus. Church, we need each other's help to stay focused on Jesus because as we're running this race that is the Christian life, as we're living our lives for the Lord, we might easily get distracted and we need help from each other to stay focused. Several years ago, I ran the Lake Mineola Half Marathon. It was not a great experience. It was not a great experience. It did not go well. I messed up. I got off track. I missed the finish line. Now you may wonder, well, how in the world could you possibly do that? I don't know, but I did. Now, this didn't have the kind of crowd that that a Disney race had. But for whatever reason, there was enough of a gap between me and, and whoever was, was, and I wasn't the leader of the pack, by the way. But I got off track, and you know what? I ended up running further than I needed to run, and it hurt my time, and I was pretty frustrated. I mean, when you run 13.1 miles, and you miss the finish line, and you end up running further than you needed to run, and you end up adding time, and you didn't get the time that you hoped you would get, or you didn't get as good of a time as you could have gotten had you not missed the finish line, had you not gone off course. That's discouraging. But for whatever reason, I got off course. Sometimes in our spiritual lives, we get off course. Sometimes as followers of Jesus, we get distracted. We get tempted. It is not for no reason (laughs) that Jesus calls us to pray to our Father in heaven, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We get tempted. We get tempted by things we see. We get tempted by things we hear. We get off track. We get consumed with the things of this world. Things of this world attract us. Things catch our attention. So he says, as we run with endurance the race that is set before us, he says, looking to Jesus. The Christian Standard Bible, keeping our eyes on Jesus. Sometimes we fix our eyes on the wrong thing or the wrong person. Sometimes we pursue the the wrong thing. But the writer of Hebrews tells his audience as they run the race to look at Jesus. Now notice how he describes Jesus, he says Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our faith. Church, our faith is a gift. Other translations, rather than the word founder here, describe Jesus as the pioneer or the originator. 
or the author. So he's the founder and perfecter of our faith. Paul says faith is a gift in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Our ability to believe, to have faith, is a gift from God. By faith, we must run the race that is set before us with endurance. We've got a great cloud of witnesses. So we lay aside every weight. We lay aside sin. We run with endurance. We live our lives with endurance. We keep our eyes focused on Jesus. I think the NIV uses the word fixed on Jesus. The author and perfecter of our faith. And then notice what it says about Jesus. Jesus himself endured. Look at verse 2. It says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus endured the cross. Isaiah 53 verse 10 says, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. The apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost, he said this about Jesus. Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Jesus going to the cross was the will of God. The Apostle Peter says that Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and the foreknowledge of God. Jesus endured the cross for us, for our sins, for our salvation. And so church, as we're living our lives for Jesus, as we're running the race with endurance and we're keeping our eyes on Jesus, let's remember Jesus. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Despising the shame. And after he died on the cross, and he was buried and he was raised on the third day. And after he ascended back into heaven, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Church, our spiritual lives are a marathon. And there's going to be bumps along the way. And we may even trip and we may even fall. We may have some pains and some discomforts. There may be some frustrations. But we keep going. We keep living for the Lord Jesus. And as easy as it is to maybe get distracted and start looking in one direction or another direction, and as easy as it is for us to get tempted to, to, to maybe kind of go off course and maybe give in to some sinful desires... We got to keep our eyes on Jesus. We got to keep our eyes on Jesus, the one we've placed our faith in. And we've got to remember that Jesus endured the cross for us. Like he went to the cross for you, and he went to the cross for me, for our sins, for our salvation. 